When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome, fight fans, to another episode of BTR Boxing Podcast with your host, Sean Basto, joined by Johnston Brown. And this is your preview for the JD Next Gen Show for Matchroom Boxing Headline with Anthony Fowler versus Brian Rose. Before we get into the episode, I want you to go and check us out on social media on Twitter at BTR Boxing Pod and Facebook at BTR Boxing Podcast. Give, off, give us a follow on both of them platforms, it's really, really appreciated. And if you've not already, subscribed to the podcast you can do so by checking us out on apple Podcasts. subscribe leave us a rating leave us a review it really really helps if you're not on apple podcast then go to podbean stitcher spreaker player fm spotify and even eat sleep boxing repeats youtube channel ratings reviews comments they really really help us they really help us grow so keep doing what you're doing we really really appreciate it so this is it then great show coming up friday night the jd next gen show headline with Anthony Fowler versus Brian Rose. Anthony Fowler looking for redemption. Brian Rose, his last stand. It's certainly a crossroads fight, isn't it? It really is a crossroads fight, this one. It's it, 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 it really good. It's intriguing and interesting to see whether Brian Rose has got anything left in locker. And um, obviously, you know, with uh, Anthony Fowler coming back from his recent loss to Scott Fitzgerald. So it's, it's a bit of a, it, it's a difficult one for Anthony. I mean, it's a tough fight for him. Um, and obviously, Brian Rose you know, is literally the last round of dice for him. So let's see how it all pans out. It's really intriguing and interesting. Well, it's a really, really good card. And I've said it a few times on social media that it's actually, for me, the best next-gen card they've put out on paper. People have uh, disputed that point, And when I've said to them, Show me another one, or tell me another one that I've missed, and nobody seems to come back to me. Yeah, I, I, I don't think you're too far wrong, to be honest. Um, I mean, yeah, but there's been a few good cards, uh, but in, in terms of next-gen, um, the top of my head, I suppose, one, uh, 
Craig Spider and Richards was on, but that was a little while back. Uh, that was a good card. But yeah, in, in recent sort of recent months, I think this is probably one of the best. It's definitely up there. It's got some really uh, nice fights, actually. Really good fights coming up. Yeah, it has. And we're going to cover that off. And we're going to cover a few of the fights on there and a few of the names that are on this particular card that are out on Friday night. Headlined, obviously, by Anthony Fowler versus Brian Rhodes. And we'll obviously start at the top of the bill and discuss Fowler versus Rhodes. So you touched on it a little bit there by talking about Anthony Fowler's return. Off, obviously, after losing to Scott Fitzgerald in that war that they had. A great fight that was between the two of them and Brian Rose who's for me personally this is you know I'm not being disrespectful to Brian I've watched his career I've watched him come up and I've watched him at his lows and his highs I just think it's time to call it a day personally I mean fair play to him for for getting in with another young gun trying to get himself up there I mean I don't know what sort of passion and desire is still there with him and, and that's sort of the questionable thing from my side is how much passion and desire and ambition has he really really got left and that that's the sort of start to think I start to question at this stage of somebody's career who's had you know a really topsy-turvy career he's been hit with injuries he's had losses to guys he shouldn't have really lost to so for me it's it's a case of is this just sort of one last hurrah is it a good payday for him I don't know and I probably will never know but it just comes to my mind as a, a bit of a mm, is he just sort of pushing for one last little bit of glory in the limelight is it you know an opportunity for him to just get a really good payday but Fowler is, is looking to obviously push on and, and come back from that loss to Fitzgerald what do you make of the fight we talked about it being a crossroads fight how much of a crossroads fight really is it do you see Brian Rose losing and then having to retire or do you see if Anthony Fowler loses there's, there's you know struggling to get away back um well I, I mean as, as you mentioned with, with Brian Rose uh, Brian Rose sorry um it, it is it, it's, it's difficult isn't it because obviously he had the Jack Arnold fight um and it was two Blackpool Blackpool boys going up against each other and obviously Rose was in the press before that fight giving it the old you know I'll retire if I lose he ended up losing um and he's still here so um funny enough Jack has retired since um or is he I believe he has. I'm not 100 percent sure. I'm sure he's currently inactive. But yeah, um, he's obviously had those. He's had a couple of fights, six rounders after the Arnold fight. Um, it's sort of in the last couple of years. So I suppose the hunger is the question for Rose. Um, I, I'm guessing, you know, whether he got the call um, and you know he was given enough notice and he thought, you know what, let's just give this one last shot. And I think this will be his last shot. As you say, it's been up and down for Brian Rose. Um, he's had his had some. He's had some good results, but you know he's also had some poor ones too. Um, I mean, I'm hearing that Brian Rose he's been in LA, he's been training hard, trying to get himself back. To, to peak fitness, you know, whether whether he can or not, obviously we're not sure. At the age of 34 years old, he's a, as, as we've already mentioned, he's had a pretty tough career. He's been up against some good fighters um, and some wars. Um, so for me, it is tricky. It is really hard to see what sort of Brian Rose we're going to get. I know he's back over here from LA and he, he feels like he's in good nick and he's ready to upset the apple cart. With Anthony Fowler, I think, um, yeah, it, if he loses, it's not the end of the world. He's still young. He's still got, you know, he's got a good future. Um, he's obviously seeing this as, a, as as another step up to put him back in in pole position, really, to to try and push on for world honours. So it, it's going to be an, an intriguing fight, um, and it is just a matter of what Brian Rose we see on the night, and whether um, Anthony Fowler can can bounce back from that defeat. Well, just wanted to clarify something for the listeners there. You referred to one of his fights with a particular fighter a couple of years ago, Jack Arnold, uh, Jack Armfield. Is that the guy you meant? Yes. 
Jack Armfield. <laughs> yes, Jack Armfield, a Blackpool lad, obviously local lads. They did have that derby, and as you said and rightly pointed out, he lost that. But you've got to forget. You're not well. We've not got to forget the fact that he has been in the ring with guys like Matthew Macklin, and also he was in there for his only one world title shot that he managed to get against Demetrius Andrade, who's obviously one of the big players of the middleweight division at the moment. So there you go. It just kind of goes to show you that you know he has had a, a tough tough career he had the loss to Carson Jones and I'll always remember that loss because I felt like it was a bit of a premature stoppage but secondly I'll never forget the fact that the sky cameras decided to carry on rolling when he got to the back and he was kicking the shit out of a waist bin all around the back and I was just in stitches you know I shouldn't have been because you know he was obviously really pissed off at the time but it's just sky carried on rolling and he's kicking the shit out of this bleeding waist bin around the back and it's just being shown to millions of people in the UK it was uh, pretty funny that one um, yeah anyway let's move back on to uh, on point and go back to obviously Anthony Fowler then we talked about Anthony Fowler he's been the guy that you know he's hyped himself up a lot really and and the Fitzgerald fight was it came to bite him back in the ass because obviously he was having all this banter with Fitzgerald on the night well up till the night there were loads of banter on social media loads of little nasty you know comments and tweets and all sorts of shit and it obviously sold the fight even more because people really wanted to see one or the other get beat for whatever reason so Scott Fitzgerald managed to, to, to beat Anthony Fowler via a split decision on the night, which was a cracking fight, a really good fight. One of the best domestic fights I've seen in 2019 so far, and I'd love to see them do it again at some point. But at the moment, Anthony Fowler's got to come back now, and he's got to get, for me, an emphatic victory over Rose. The thing with Rose is, like I've said, with all due respect, he's at the latter end of his career. Anthony Fowler really should be either really handily beating him on points or stopping him because if he struggles with Rose then people are going to start to question how far he can really go because before the Fitzgerald loss even myself included felt like this guy's you know domestically a really good fighter and could go on win a British title and then we'll see where he goes but now I kind of think if he doesn't really do much of a number on Rose and, and doesn't handily beat him on points or stop him I'm starting to think is he really the hype machine that we that we've been fed for the past couple of years and and that's the questions that I'll start to ask about him but we've got to wait to see on Friday night how he comes in how he reacts is he going to come in and try and go all guns blazing it's it's a difficult one because it's very crossroads he knows he's taking a risk by a loss to Brian Rose he's going to He's going to put a bit of a dampener on his career. Yes, he's still young. Yes, he can come back. But he's going to have a really long way back if he loses to Brian Rose. And for Brian Rose, what does he do then if he beats Anthony Fowler? Does he come back and you know push himself on for a fight with someone like Fitzgerald? Do you know that that's that's something obviously that was uh, that was t- was supposed to happen. Was that the one that was supposed to happen on the Manchester show in July? What the return for Fowler and Fitzgerald? No, the Fitzgerald and Rose. Who was Fitzgerald supposed oh, Fitzgerald to fight? Oh, Fitzgerald and Rose. It was it. I believe. Um, I, I do. I do recall there being um, some talk about it. I don't. I weren't quite sure what card it was going to be added to, but I do remember Rose actually in an interview saying he would take on. Um, it would take him on Scott Fitzgerald now. So, yeah, I, I know there was rumours of that happening, so I'm not quite sure what happened. I can't remember. It's going to evade me, and I'm sure someone will correct me when they when they hear it back and just drop us a tweet and let me know. I've, just, I've had a bit of a brain fart when it comes to that particular bill and, and who was on it. I thought it was, for some reason, I felt like it was Fitzgerald and, and Rose, and now they've changed it. I can't remember. Someone will tell me anyway. But, no, going back to going back to point, obviously, that you know it's a real crossroads fight between these two, and it's a fight genuinely that I'm looking forward to, but 
but it's not the only fight on the card I feel is a really, really good fight. I think we've got a couple of fights on that card that are really going to potentially be show stealers for this main event. And one of them in particular for me that I believe could be a show stealer and something Eddie Hearn said in the press conference this week is Jack Cullen versus John Harding Jr. for the English middleweight title is a potential show stealer and the uh, the best fight on the card. Yeah, uh, Jack Cullen, I've... I've only seen a couple of his fights. I've kept an eye on Jack, uh, mainly because you know he's six foot three as well, which is which is highly unusual uh, for for a, for a middleweight. Um, and and he don't really um, he doesn't use his jab too often. I mean he does use it, but not not as effectively as you would think. Being six foot three um, as a middleweight, and and he's, he's always got a tower over his opponent. He does like to go in close and really like to to, to go to war. He will go early. Um, I believe he was a bit of a prize fighter back in sort of a couple of years ago or a few years ago. Would be on that probably. But yeah, so so he, he's he's got that in him to just want to try and go for it early. Um, you know, so it'd be interesting to see how. How John Harding Jr. responds, who who I haven't seen much of. I don't know much about John Harding Jr. I know that obviously he goes in as an undefeated fighter, um, but you know, looking at his record, I think there's only one guy that's got a winning record out of all the guys he's fought. So you know, that not necessarily doesn't mean much at this sort of stage of someone's career because he's fought a few journeymen who could give him, give him valuable experience. But I just think Jack Cullen, from what I've seen, I think he's got he's got enough in his locker for this to to be an interesting fight and, and really. Uh, I think he will go for it early. Um, I think he's a good fighter to watch. He's really good on the iron. As I say, he's six foot three, and I, you know he could use his jab, and he could probably jab his way to victories sort of more times than he does. But he just wants to to go for for, for broke early doors. Um, so yeah definitely a fight to look out for. It is. Jack Cullen I know quite well because I've been on a lot of shows where Jack's been fighting on so I have watched his progression over, the, in particular, the past two years since I've been involved in boxing media and I've watched him grow as a fighter and yeah, he's had his apprenticeship with a journeyman and then he decided to take a, an entry to the tournament which was in Ireland last year. He was like the prize fighter like you say, he was like a prize fighter yeah. on a boxer style tournament in Ireland and he took it last minute and he got to the final. Uh, he beat Nick Quigley and then he also beat Chris Blaney as well. And then he got into the final against Roy Shehan. And then he was absolutely knackered. He didn't even have much of a rest in between the semi-final and the final. And he got he got stopped on his feet in that. So that was the only sort of blemish on his record. But that can be forgiven given the format of the tournament. And since then he's come back and he's obviously beaten... Harry Matthews, well-known journeyman, Alistair Warren, who he's already fought, uh, Emmanuel Masinga, Jack Sellers for the English middleweight title. That was in his last fight in May. That was a great fight for him. And as you say, he's got all these physical advantages over John Harding Jr., which uh, essentially should do on the night, should play a big factor in how this fight goes down. But as you've rightly also pointed out, he doesn't use everything to his advantage. He Sometimes he does get on the inside a little bit, and it surprises me for someone with such long arms that he's not keeping it on the outside and sometimes he likes to get stuck in on the inside as well and I think it's going to be a real interesting fight because John Harding Jr as you again as you said you know this guy's he's, he's only had journeyman on his record he's had one fight with someone with a 50-50 record and that that was his last fight early in April this year and there's a lot of guys down south that will listen to this podcast that I know of that support John Harding Jr a lot so when they listen to it they'll be absolutely screaming going no you can shut up talking about him in this way listen guys if you are listening to it the thing is with with John Harding Jr yes he's a great talent yes I've seen what he's got to offer but I haven't seen him in with a test and this is his test now this is his 
his acid test and if he beats Jack Cullen that's when people can really start to rave from the rooftops about him because he hasn't got anyone on his record yet simple as that for me he hasn't got a name on his record he hasn't got somebody you can literally sit there and say I've been in against a guy with a very good record he hasn't got that Jack Cullen has got a better resume on paper he's fought better fighters on paper and with him have the physical advantages over Harding Jr you expect to win here for Cullen you expect it but that's not always the case if Harding Jr can get on the inside and you can land them shots onto Cullen's chin Cullen as we've seen before, he can be stopped. He has been stopped. Yes, he was exhausted. I'm not making no excuses for him, but this is a real good fight, and I think this will potentially be either a real good Jack Cullen performance or a John Harden Jr. blowout, and that's how I see it going down. Now, I've not made an official prediction on it, but I can only see it going one of, of either of them two ways, really. That, that's kind of how I see this fight going down. I mean... I could get a shock Friday night. I could sit there and watch it and it could be in for a completely different fight than what I'm expecting. But having seen both fighters, I expect a, a pretty entertaining contest. And whoever really takes centre ring for me is going to be the one that ends up going on to win the fight in whichever fashion it ends or it goes to pot, whatever. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But it's a good fight. I am looking forward to it. I think it could potentially be the show stealer of the card. So let's look at some of the other names on there then. We've got quite a few good names on there we've got Robbie Davis Jr coming back with a low-key comeback fight here I mean this is Robbie Davis Jr who's the British super lightweight champion the same Robbie Davis Jr who's also the European super lightweight champion and he's having this real low-key comeback which I'm not too sure why he's having this this low-key comeback I mean there's a lot of talk of him fighting Lewis Ritson, who's also on this card, because Lewis Ritson was originally supposed to fight Davis's last opponent, Joe Hughes. Joe Hughes had to pull out with injury, so Lewis Ritson's fighting a, a relatively unknown Polish fighter whose name I'm not even going to try to pronounce, who's 14 and 2. So Lewis Ritson's back, and then Robbie Davis Jr.'s back on the same card. I'm guessing, I'm guessing that they're going to try and see how both of them perform on this next gen show and try and set it up for later on this year. I think that sounds probably about right, actually. Um, yeah, it's interesting because Robbie Davis Jr. as well, I mean, he, he's done so well since, you know, his defeat, his only defeat on his record, that only blemish. Um, and he, he's really improved. I mean, he, he's had some good results. I mean, that, that Glenn Foote result was was a great performance. And obviously, Joe Hughes as well. So it, I'm guessing it is literally just that. It is because it was a last-minute sort of, I mean, he was on the card and there was no opponent scheduled for a while. And now this, this Michael Duffett's come up um, and I'm expecting an easy night for him, to be fair. But, you know, in, in terms of where he, in his division and, you know, we just, we would the other night talking, you know, about Josh Taylor and Regis Progress and, and Ramirez winning the other night. And then obviously, you know, we're, we're looking at sort of some domestic fights uh, fighters that can fight those potentially going for that title fight and, and Robbie Davis Jr I mean as you say he's won a European title he's won a Commonwealth he's won a British you know, he's done everything he needs to do really to, to put himself in and amongst them so I mean obviously Jack Cattrall's the first name that springs to mind but you know I think it, it's going to be an intriguing one because I think that exactly that I think you know with, with Ritson on the card it's probably just a warm-up fight to see how they get on, I, I, I'm expecting Davis Jr. to win quite comfortably. I think Ritson's probably in a little bit harder. 
Although it's a little bit different um, because, you know, this, this Marek, uh, the Polish fella, you know, he's number one in Poland in the division, but, you know, he's got an 81% knockout ratio. All right, he's lost two, but he obviously is going to come to hit. And we all know what Ritson's like as well. So this could be over in no time. And, you know, if, if someone comes in with an 81% knockout ratio, no matter who they're for, you know, they're, they're going to be able to bang a bit. So, you know, Ritson, although he's, he's not the sort of fighter that's going to uh, not stand toe to I think he's going to go straight in and it, it could be over in three or four rounds, if not even sooner between this and so this could be a real bang. I expect Ritson to stop the guy, but, you know, you've got to be careful. Um, so I think Ritson's in a little bit harder, but in, down the end of the line, I think um, I think that's a fight that probably will happen. I think you're right. I think you're now on the end. I think they're just looking at it, making sure they both put decent performances in, and then and then whoever wins that can then move on. Yeah, I agree. I'm looking forward to to seeing what the outcome of both fights are, just to see you know if it, if they do sort of push for that fight later on this year. I know there was a lot of talk about it in the last couple of weeks on social media. So uh, messages, I think, between the both of them, or it was someone's messages. It might have been. Ritson's messages on WhatsApp were being posted out on social media just to kind of prove that it didn't back out from a fight with Robbie Davis Jr. I could be wrong, it could be the other way around, I can't remember, it was a couple of weeks back, but I know there was talk on social media, there was a back and forth between them, it looks like it's going to get made at some point later on this year. Brilliant fight, I think, if I'm being honest though, I don't think Robbie Davis Jr. needs the Ritson fight. If I'm being honest, because you rightly pointed out again, he's won the British, he's won the Commonwealth, he's won the European. That's something that Ritson failed to do in the lower weight category was win the European title. In fact, that was the only blemish on his record when he stepped up to fight for the European title and he lost. And he looked a little bit amateurish doing it and he looked like he got exposed a little bit against Patera when he fought for the, the lightweight title of Europe. So... For me, I don't think Robbie Davis Jr. needs that fight. It's a very good domestic fight. Don't get me wrong, and I wouldn't say no to it happening. But I don't necessarily think he needs it. I think he could, like you say, he could step up and could start pushing for for more rankings belts. I mean, I fucking hate the rankings belts, but I understand why the fighters go for them because it gives them a world ranking. It gives them more of an opportunity to push themselves up there to fight potentially for one of the organisational titles, and that that's kind of where you want to see him go. So. Ritson needs Davis more than Davis needs Ritson. That's the way I see things at this moment in time. But we'll we'll see what happens later on in the year. All the fights then on the undercard of this one. Another one at Bantamweight. Sean McGoldrick, 9-0 against Thomas Isomba. It's for the WBA Continental Bantam title. So, yeah, a rankings belt again. Thomas, is, <laughs> <Yeah>. Thomas, <laughs> Thomas Isomba. Uh, he had a great fight. He had a great fight quite recently against Lee McGregor. That was a cracking fight. Uh, when I say quite recently, I meant last October, but it was the most recent fight he had. It was a cracking scrap with Lee McGregor. And I think if... Anybody that listens to the podcast watched it, you'll know what this fight was all about. It was a cracking fight all the way through. All the way through until it got to, to the very end and Lee McGregor managed to stop Asomba in the 12th and final round. Brilliant fight that was. So Asomba's going to come to fight. He's not here just to make up the numbers. He's not a journeyman. He's got an 8-5 and five record, but he takes risks. And that's what I like about him. And he's going to take a risk going in there against Sean McGoldrick, who is 9-0. He's been built up for quite a while, uh, obviously as this, this great prospect. And that's coming out of Wales. And he, he now needs to step up in opposition 
him for the guys he's been fighting and this is a perfect step up for him as well absolutely perfect step up and I think if he was to go in there and outbox a Samba or potentially stop a Samba that makes a statement for him in the bantamweight division you know the bantamweight division's not got a great depth to it domestically so I think this you know this could really sort of propel him into fights domestically quite quickly although this is for you know a WBA title uh, you look at what's around domestically for Sean McGoldrick if he decides to sort of stay around domestically you've got Cash Farouk up in Scotland great fighter you've obviously got the Lee McGregor fight up there you've got Salford in Mark Leach who's trained by Jamie Moore, another great fighter who, who won the English version of the Bantamweight title so plenty of fights around there to be made domestically before he moves on to the world level or if you really 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 wanted to they could stick him in with Prince Patel yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, if he can get through this test, um, why not? Um, I mean, Paul Butler is still active as well. I'm, I'm guessing so. He's, he's he's the guy that you know, the, the British fellow of the bantamweight division at the minute, really. From from what I, you know, from, he's always been the fellow that's he's been in there with world champions, you know, with Emmanuel Rodriguez. So you know, I think that would be the benchmark these guys are trying to aim for. But yeah, Prince Patel would be a, would be a good fight, a really good scrap that. To ensure McGoldrick, um, I do like the Lee, Lee McGregor fight as well. I think that would be an interesting one. So it'd be interesting to see how um, McCormick gets on, um, on on tomorrow night um, against obviously the same opponent, the the, the African, the Cameroon, Thomas Nsambo. He's tough fellow, as, as you've mentioned. That people will look at the eight and five and think, you know, oh come on, it, he's nothing, but he's tough. Trust me, he's a tough fellow. He's a tough cookie to, to crack. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's not very deep, that bantamweight division, domestically. Um, so it's, it's a pot shot to see at the minute who can eventually sort of push on for those next honours. But, yeah, another really intriguing fight. And I'm expecting Sean to come through. Um, but, you know, as I say, as, as, you, as, as you rightly said, Sean, Sumba is not there just to just get beaten and get rolled over. He's going to be there to fight. Yeah, definitely. Looking down the card again, I'd say it's a stack card. Quite a few prospects on there. Let's briefly talk about uh, another fighter who's on that card is heavyweight Martin Bacoli who's coming back after his great win over Marius Wack and he's on the undercard against Yotolo Pereira which uh, again I feel is just a it's just a fight where you know he's going to come in and he's going to push on by beating a guy like Pereira who's going to then push <laughs> Billy Nelson's going to push him on to, to bigger and better things um, it's quite funny the reason I started laughing then is because I don't know if anybody's seen that yesterday any of the listeners yourself Johnson there was a bit of a to do on the Eat Sleep Boxing Repeat Twitter page uh, about Martin Bacola. Uh, Eddie Hur basically made a statement about Martin Bacola being a world-class heavyweight. And straight away, the, the guy who's on Twitter, the boxing madman, was just like going in at Billy Nelson and Billy Nelson was going in back at him and they were absolutely bitching <laughs> at each other and it was a great conversation and I couldn't help but put that little gif of Michael Jackson eating the popcorn in the thriller video because that is exactly what I was doing sat there just watching it with with, with well I was just laughing my head off basically I thought it was hilarious you know these two going at it but seriously though in all seriousness I think Martin Bacall is, 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 is a very good fighter and 
Yes, he had that loss to Michael Hunter where there was questions as to whether he quit, uh, whether his bottle went. They were some of the conversations that were happening yesterday. Billy Nelson was asked a question about should he have pulled him out and this and that. And and Billy Nelson's response really was that he felt like the fight shouldn't have really took place in the first place. In hindsight, he wished he wouldn't have let that fight happen because there was stuff going on outside of the ring for Bacall in the lead up to it. I think he, he lost a family member and that shouldn't have happened. But again, it's, he said it's hindsight. It's one of them things. He doesn't scream and shout about him as being the best heavyweight as much as he used to on Twitter, but it was Eddie Hearn who said he's a world-class heavyweight. This guy is as sparred with the likes of Anthony Joshua. He's sparred with some great names. And since that loss to Michael Hunter, he just got straight back in there against Marius Wack and just beat him. <laughs> it's just like Marius Wack is, 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 you know, he's past his best. He was a guy who was spoke about in the heavyweight division over, say, the past four or five years. He's been in with the likes of Vladimir Klitschko. He'd been in there with Povetkin. He'd been in there with Erkan Tepper, the drugs cheat Erkan Tepper. He'd been in with Jarrell Miller, Spilka. You know, he yeah, he'd lost a lot of these uh, big fights that he was involved in, but he was still a well-known name in the heavyweight division. So this was a really good win, I think, for Bacoli. And now he's going in there against Yotolo Pereira, who's... He's no, he's no slouch. Don't get me wrong. He's no slouch. I'm not going to say he's a world beater because he isn't. He isn't a world beater whatsoever. I mean, looking at his record, the, 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 some of the names on his record are very notable. You've got Adam Knowaki, who we're going to talk about a little bit later, who's fighting this weekend as well. And we've also got a certain fighter by the name of Joey Jureko, who rumour has it was the guy that apparently knocked Anthony Joshua out in sparring on multiple occasions. Oh really? Was that the guy? Was it? I know it, was, it wasn't the one that um, that can cut sort of people talk about like concussion for the Ruiz fight. Was it that guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's he's lost. He's lost to him. Now he looks like a little Ruiz clone. If you look at him, he doesn't have the typical athletic body looking uh, for a heavyweight. Uh, but apparently he's the guy who again these could be those bullshit rumors. But there was very very strong rumors that he was the guy that had actually knocked Anthony Joshua out a couple of times in sparring and hence caused this. Support Supposed concussion, and I'm saying it in sort of inverted commas because we don't know how true it is. But the guy, obviously, because fighting tomorrow, he's been in with the likes of these fighters, so he isn't a slouch. Yes, he's lost four times, eleven wins, seven knockouts. I think if if Bacall goes in there and, and does a number on him tomorrow, puts a statement in there, then we can start to think about what other fights he can be involved in as a fighter. I think you've got to think about where they want to take him. They want to push him onto world level. They they're really banging on about him potentially being a you know a world heavyweight fighter who can go in there with a champion and I don't know I haven't seen enough yet and this is what I was saying myself on social media yesterday I personally haven't seen enough yet and the biggest fight of his career was against Michael Hunter in which he lost in which it's argued that he he lost his bottle and he quit yeah the thing is for me I mean I'm I'm a bit of a Michael Hunter fan to be fair with you Um, I I really do rate the kid the kid and I think he's uh, I think he's a bit underrated. I mean, he sits number 10 in America for the heavyweights. For me, he's not. He's better than that. So so that, that loss for Bacoli, yeah, people will question the fact that he's, he probably did quit. I think he, I remember in the corner of him saying that he done not no more. I think about him in round nine. He was even saying, you know, I've had enough type of thing. And they sent him out again. But in the end, you know, he did sort of just that he had enough. Um, Michael Hunter is, is is a very very good heavyweight. I mean, he, he fought a cruiserweight. You know, he had, I think, the only one defeat on his record, obviously, was against um, uh, Usyk. 
So, and that was at Cruiserweight. And we all know what Usyk does to people like Tony Bellew, who, who people rate very highly. And, you know, he went 12 rounds. Yes, it was a dominant display by Usyk, but Usyk is a different grade. He's a different, completely different gravy. Um, and for me, you know, Michael Hunter was just a little bit underrated. He was one of my fighters of the year last year. We had, he had a great year. Um, obviously, Bacoli being one of those victims for him. Um, but I think Bacoli, you know, he showed that he's got enough about him in the what in the what is it walk is that is that, is that, is that what the walk I, I never put yeah um, I mean another again he was he was touted a few years ago he was meant to be a, a pretty decent fight and one one a, a title contender if you like and he has had a decent resume himself has been there with some tough guys so it was a good performance for for um, uh, for for Bacardi to come back from um, so I, I, I don't know I, I'm not saying he's world class I definitely don't think that I think he's a very good heavyweight I think he's he's a guy you know we're talking about sort of like a Nathan Gorman I mean that'd be a lovely little fight wouldn't it Nathan Gorman against Martin Bacardi at some point or even Daniel Dubois. I mean, he, he is one of those type of fellas. Obviously, you know, two different rival karate probably never happened. But, you know, I'm not surprised that Warren's, uh, Warren, listen to me, Eddie's come out and said uh, that he, he's world class because obviously the only other guy to beat him was Michael Hunter, who's an, he, you know, he's, he's another one of his boys. So, yeah, I think, I think people are a little bit unfair on Mike McCauley because he is, he is a decent fighter. Whether he can, Move on, you know, it remains to be seen. I think he should be doing pretty, it should be pretty comfortable for him. As you, as you mentioned, Pereira, you know, Pereira or Pereira, however you want to pronounce his name, he, you know, he's not going to just show up just to get put down, but I'm expecting him to lose the fight. And I think Bacardi should put in a decent performance, um, in front of, in front of the, uh, the TV audience and, and push on again and try and get one of those the next big name on his record. Yeah, I agree. So let's move on, look at the rest of the card before we move on to the action across the pond stateside. So we've also got the card made up by 6-0 Keish Asfak. We've got John Doherty light heavyweight, 5-0, great fighter. I've watched him uh, a few times on the, 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 the early undercards that they put on. He's another good fighter to look out for. We've got Thomas Hart and we've got Manchester's own Dylan Evans, 2-0. He's looking to go 3-0. I interviewed Dylan a few times. There's an article gone out on Eastleigh Boxing Repeat with an interview with Dylan this week. And then the final name on the card is a name that I've been quite close to in terms of my boxing media journey from day one. So we've got the debut of Nathan Farrell, who's the brother of Kieran Farrell, who you may remember from fighting Anthony Crawler, and he ended up getting a bleed on the brain. Uh, he could have been completely life-changing injuries. He managed to come back for it, set up his own gym, and he's got his own promotion. Kieran's been on the show. Nathan has been on the show very, very early on in its inception of the podcast. And he's a real great insight to, to, to speak to. He's got such a great boxing knowledge and IQ. He was an unbeaten amateur. And that was part of the journey that he spoke about when he first came onto the podcast. Is that he actually is unbeaten as an amateur. And he wants he's wanted to turn pro for a long time. He's had loads of major setbacks, you know, including injuries to his knee, depression, mental health issues. And he's finally going to make his debut on Friday night and I'm genuinely excited for him because I've seen a little bit of what he does in the gym when he's been sparring he looks really really good now the most notable name on his amateur record was Darren Tetley who's 18-0 at the moment and he, he absolutely beat Darren Tetley he blooded him he beat him but he, Darren Tetley wouldn't go down and it, it was a very big statement back when they fought on the amateurs and one thing Nathan's always sort of alluded to to me when I spoke to him in, in interviews or just off the camera is that you know he, he just thinks to himself what could I have done if I would have been 
professional a little bit soon, you know, looking at some of the guys he'd fought and been in with, and they got on to, to, to have decent pro careers today. And it's his debut on Friday, so I'm really pumped up for it. That's why I'm speaking about it so much, because I'm really looking forward to seeing him getting in the ring for the first time because every interview I've done with him has been like on a, pe- a separate part of his journey so the first time I interviewed him about him turning professional he was in a different mental state the second time I interviewed him he was in a better state and now most recently last, as of last week I interviewed him and he's in the best prime physical shape men- and mentally as well so I'm really excited to, to see him in the ring and for anybody who's going to be watching the show on Friday the likelihood is you may not get actually get to see the fight live because it'll probably I reckon it'll either be on very early doors or it'll be on later after the main event so it's likely that if it doesn't get shown on the Facebook live stream or the main show it's likely that you know there may be a recording of it from Sky it may go out at a later date I don't know but I'm just very excited to see him so anybody that's listened to this podcast from day one will know Kieran Farrell they'll know Nathan Farrell so you know, go and check out their both of their journeys and, and, and have a look at what they're up to because uh, I'm genuinely excited for them. So apologies for ranting on a little bit there about that. I just felt like I needed to, to address that because of obviously them being on the show and, and obviously me following their journeys through boxing media. So yeah, it's been, been quite exciting and that sort of sums up the next-gen show now and it kind of leads us nicely on to what else is on this weekend because we're not just focusing solely on this because we've got a couple of other bills going on. So John. Tell us about the bill that's going on over in America. Yeah, so in America we've got uh, obviously the heavyweight Adam Kornacki, who's fighting Chris Ariola. Um, as a, as a, a bit of the same situation with the Rose Fowler fight, really. It's Ariola's last round of dice. Um, you know, he's 38 and 5 with one draw. Uh, Kornacki currently undefeated, still working his way through the ranks. He was obviously one of the guys on that shortlist. Um, for for Anthony Joshua when Miller failed his drugs test, you know, and then the white fight obviously wasn't going to happen again. So so it was Kanaki and it was I believe it was Michael Hunter was the other guy as well. So obviously they went with Marie, picked the wrong man really. Um, yeah. Well, we we'll soon find out. But Kanaki similar to Marie, you know, he's not he's, he's got the daddy fat if you like um, the daddy body um, that you know he ain't muscly and you know and, and I think he's even been in the, in, in the press recently mentioned the fact that you know his body tone now Marie and inspiration. To, you know, just to show people that you know you don't need to be muscly to be an heavyweight champion. So you know he, he's trying to muscle his way in into the rankings. Uh, Chris Ariola, as we've mentioned, you know, he, he's had a you know he's had a long career. He's well, he's 38 or something now, years old, um, American fella. You know, but he's been in the ring with Deontay Wilder. You know, he's been with Stavern a couple of times. He's been with Eric Molina. So he, he's been through it. He's had it. You know it. Is literally his last round of dice. Uh, Adam Ack was another guy he was in the ring with. So um, that's 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 mainly the main event over in New York, um, uh, um, New York City, uh, in, in in Brooklyn. Um, and then obviously you have got Marcus Brown against Gene Pascal, and the other good fight of the night is uh, Curtis Stevens against Wow um, Amatoso. So a decent card actually, and there's, there's loads of other sort of up and coming fighters on there as well. Um, so. Yeah, a really good show, actually. I wonder what the American listeners think of Kunuaki. I'm really interested to, to find out from a couple of you guys that are based in America that listen to the podcast. What are your thoughts on Kunuaki and as to where he's going in his career? He's 19-0 at the moment with 15 knockouts. He's Polish, but he bases himself in Brooklyn, New York. 
So he's he's like an adopted adopted uh, resident of the United States at the moment because he bases himself out of there, and he seems to be winning a lot of fans over. And now I know I think New York has got a, a a big sort of fan base of Polish people that live there. The same with like the Irish as well. There's always a lot of Irish Americans that, that are based over in New York. So I'm really interested to know what people think about him, where his career is at the moment. I mean, you've got to look at his last few fights. The names that he's beaten is Arthur Spilker, who we've seen recently lose to Chisora, Prince Charles Martin. I beat him on a unanimous decision. And what was a cracking fight, actually? I think that's one. If you never, if you never, if you never seen that heavyweight fight, and it's the first time you hear it, who was talking about it, go and check it out on YouTube. Really, really good fight between them two. Give me a lot more respect for Charles Martin after the uh, after the shit he came out with before he got beat to Joshua. You know, give. I think credibility came back for him for a lot of fans when he when he got in the ring there with Kamaki. And then there was Gerald Washington in his last fight uh, at the start of the year who he beat and stopped Gerald Washington. And now we've got Chris Ariola, who, again, I see him as a guy who's... He's at the end of his career, let's be honest. He's past his best, whatever his best was. And... This is a chance for Nwaki again to make another statement, put another name on his record, start to build that resume even more. Because I don't think it's going to be long before his name's mentioned with a world heavyweight champion as a potential future opponent. And given what's been going on with Dillian White's situation, well, obviously with Dillian White, we've got the situation where he's... His WBC status has been, well, suspended. So he was obviously the number one contender. He was the challenger for the WBC title and was going to get a shot, mandatory. And now it's been removed due to, the, obviously, the drugs tests and the, the issues with that. So, you know, is someone like Knuwaki going to end up getting pushed in there in the next 12 months? I, c- I could see a wilder Knuwaki fight happening in the next 12 months. I could genuinely see that being something that would, would sell because obviously they're both based in America. That You know, they're, they're starting to build reputations and names and I think that could be a future fight potentially. But then again, I could be talking absolute bollocks and we could get something completely different so we'll see we'll see but again a fight to check out over this weekend for sure you mentioned marcus brown as well versus jean pascal jean pascal i don't understand why again he's still fighting either he's another guy that when i think back to our legendary night series that we do and we talk about the careers uh, of certain fighters and John Pascal's name came up obviously in the the Frotch Taylor Legendary Nights episode that we did if you've not already heard it go and check it out cracking episode but his name came up because he's been fighting for what feels like forever now that was 2008 when him and Frotch fought and it's now 2019 so it's 11 years ago and he was obviously fighting before that as well and just wondering what the motivation is for him now you know he's still getting thrown in there with with big names who have got you know, reasonably decent titles. He's in the last three years. He's fought Sergey Kovalev, Elidair Alvarez, who went on to beat Kovalev, Dimitri Bivol in his last fight, and now he's got Marcus Brown, who's twenty-three and zero, and and obviously is regarded as one of the best light heavyweights out there now. So quite interested to see what sort of motivation he's got left in his career, but. I expect a Marcus Brown unanimous decision win. I know it's very specific, but that's, that's kind of how I see that going down. And then you've got Curtis Stevens, who really, really big puncher. Uh, obviously, once went in there with Gennady Golovkin. I uh, got beat 
bag and Annie Golovkin. It was a brutal affair. And then, obviously, since come back, he's been in with the likes of David Lemieux. Got stopped by David Lemieux, and got he's had one win on his record in a year. So he's not fought for a year, and now he's coming back. And again, another fighter who I'm just wondering sort of what motivation he's got left. So it's definitely worth checking out. There's not a lot of boxing on after this for the next couple of weeks, so it's definitely worth checking this out. I think there'll be some decent fights on. And then there's also one more card we've not touched on as well, the card over in Northern Ireland. Yes, yes, uh, Michael Conlon. Um, he is, uh, yeah, it, 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 I think he's either, I'm guessing he's going to be the main fight, the main bill, isn't he? Because you've got uh, Chris Jenkins and Paddy uh, Gallagher, which is quite an interesting fight. Uh, Luke Keeler um, is fighting Luis Arias as well. Um, but yeah, again, I, I mean, Michael Conlon, he's fighting an Argentinian from the Diego Alberto Ruiz. Um, I think he's number two in Argentina at the minute. Um, looking at his record, I mean, I mean, I've not seen him personally, so I can't comment too much on on him. Um, Michael Conlon, obviously, you know, he, he looks, he does, he does look great. He look, he's got, he's got all the fundamentals. He's got that great. Uh, he's got a, a very good uh, amateur background. Obviously, well known for his uh, his actions in the Olympics, giving the judges the finger. Um, that is what sort of shot him to stardom in a professional game. Um, he, I, I do like Michael as a fighter. Um, he's had a lot, a lot of bad press recently from his last fight with, with his intro song as such, uh, which which didn't go down well at all. I believe he's come out and actually apologised for that, and, and I don't think he quite understood the surroundings of it. You know, I suppose we can forgive him in a way. He's only 27 years old, um, maybe just a little bit naive. But either way, I do like Conan as a fighter. I think he's a very, very good. You know, he's one to always look look out for for the British and Irish lads. Um, he's slowly moving his way through. The rankings, he, you know, he's with um, top rankers, and he so he, he's got that exposure in America. I think he's been on his debut. He come out with uh, Conor McGregor as well, if I remember rightly. He was on a, a St. Paddy's Day, so there's a lot of a lot of boom around him. Um, he's getting a decent following. I'm expecting him to put on a decent display against uh, Alberto Ruiz, um, and obviously fighting in, in in Ireland as well. He's going to enjoy that. Obviously, I think. I think Right at the beginning of his career, a lot of his fights were um, were in America, so I th- I'm expecting a good show from Michael on, on Saturday night. On Saturday night. Well, he was supposed to be fighting the guy who controversially beat him in the Olympics, which was Vladimir Nikitin. That was supposed to be the original fight here, but obviously Vladimir Nikitin had to pull out of that fight, so that didn't happen, which would have been a real tasty fight, I think, because there's obviously beef still there, really, between him. Conlon, obviously, ah, well, he, d- he did lose that fight, but he didn't, you know, for everyone that watched that fight, Conlon won that fight and he was just robbed of of, of, of the actual opportunity to, to have won, the, you know, the gold. And, and I think that was, I think it was terrible. I think it was a terrible decision. And I think he really wanted to go in there and make a statement. But he's still got the opportunity to do that because this is a great event for him to be on. Obviously, it's in Northern Ireland. It's the second time he's fighting in Northern Ireland now. And, you know, there's been a bit of controversy behind him. You know, the, the I think it was the last fight he came out to a pro IRA song, which didn't really help the cause of, of, of people liking him. I think people just generally like the guy anyway. He seems to get attracted a decent following. Um, he's 11-0 and 0 now. I, 
win against Diego Alberto Ruiz will will obviously give him another notch on his belt there and it's for the vacant WBA Intercontinental Feather and obviously the WBO Intercontinental Feather that he's already holding at the moment so good win for him if he gets that also then on the card you've got Luke Keeler as you mentioned uh, against Luke Arias you've got Chris Jenkins and Paddy Gallagher which I think will be an absolutely cracking fight we've got it's the Commonwealth welterweight title on the line and the British title on the line there between these this is going to be uh, a real interesting fight I think people should definitely go and check that out it's on BT Sport so you will be able to catch that one I think most people will probably watch this and then go and watch the US action if you're obviously a UK based fan if you're a US fan you'll probably be watching this in the middle of the afternoon so definitely worth checking out for sure I think Uh, and Chris Jenkins obviously beat Johnny Garton who had a great fight to win the title in the first place uh, and then now we've got this right. this 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 great fight between Paddy Gallagher uh, and Chris Jenkins which I think people will, will really look forward to seeing on Saturday and then obviously you've got uh, 7-0 Sean McComb on there as well, you've got uh, Paddy McCrory on there, a lot of the Irish fans that listen to the podcast will know them, you've got Dennis McCann, Matchroom Prospects on the card as well, so you've got quite a few quite a few big names and also Paddy Barnes is I was just going to say that yeah (laughs) I was literally just going to say Paddy Barnes is on the card as well he's obviously looking to to make a return after his two back to back losses so interesting interesting card definitely worth checking out on on Saturday Uh, another fight that I didn't realise was happening or another fighter that's in action do you remember Julius Ndongo yes I do yes yes the uh, Crawford uh, he fought fought Crawford for the undisputed didn't he yeah, and obviously Pete Yeah, got destroyed by Crawford. He's fighting as well on uh, the early hours of Sunday morning uh, in Alabama, USA. So there's another fighter there. I don't know what sort of motivation he's got to go on in the future. I, I, I seen him as quite a limited fighter. To be fair, I was pretty shocked when Ricky Burns got beat off him. If I'm being totally honest, but you know he went in there and then got destroyed off. Uh, <laughs> off he got destroyed off Crawford, and then he got destroyed off Pugrai. So I don't think there's much left for this guy's career to to be honest but yeah another fight that's there over the weekend but in terms of action in terms of what's going on over the weekend that i think that's about your lot i mean there's a couple of local shows going on there's there's one in in my neck of the woods in oldham it's a steve wood promotion got quite a few prospects on there from from this neck of the woods you should go and obviously check out vip promotions go and check out some of the fighters on there you get guys like josh warrington and terry flanagan that have that have come through sort of the vip promotion stable as well so it's certainly worth checking out there if you if you're listening and you're a, a local based listener, go and check that out because that's happening on Saturday. But in terms of actual fights that are going on this weekend, that is that is pretty much it for your boxing. And I think I don't believe there's much else on for the next couple of weeks. No, no, I'm not, to be honest, uh, I'm not 100. I think Carl uh, Frampton's fighting at some point. I'm not sure if that's next week or the week after. Um, so he, he's on a card coming back. Other than that, there's not that much else. Um, obviously, you know, in, in, at the end of August, you've got um, Yard and Kovlev, if that happens, and then obviously uh, uh, Lomachenko and Campbell. So they're obviously the biggest fights at the end of the month. So not not too much, as I say. I know, I know Cole Frampton's coming back. I can't remember if it's next week or the week after. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good weekend. I mean, we get, the good thing about it is we get the Friday night card and then we get a Saturday night card. So that's, that's going to be handy. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. The, the Anthony Fowler, uh, Brian Rose is probably is the standout fight and it's going to be an interesting one in terms of whether youth will prevail over experience I'm probably edging Fowler I think Fowler will probably get the result um, depending on what Rose has left um, and then you know obviously the Kornacki fight 
similar situation, different weight, obviously, but I'm expecting Kunaki to come through against um, Chris Arola as well. I was just going to ask you for predictions as well, and you've just given to me perfect. <laughs> so um, I'll give you mine then, and for the listeners as well, of course. My prediction, Anthony Fowler stops Brian Rose, uh, mid to late stoppage, I think. I think he'll break him down, I think he'll beat him. And then I think Kunaki will, will beat Ariola, and I think he'll stop Ariola. I, I do see two stoppages uh, for, for them, and I think it'll be... You know, uh, pretty much, like you say, the crossroads, the end of an era for two particular fighters. I can't see it being any other way other than that, if I'm being totally honest. Um, any updates, obviously, on, on some of the news this week is still overshadowed by the whole Dillian White saga. That is still going on at the moment, and we're still waiting to hear a bit more information about that. So we'll give you more information as and when, obviously, it gets released from Dillian White's side, because from what I've read and what I've heard, I believe we're just waiting on Dillian White, really, to come out now and disturb what happens next whether he needs to have uh, a B sample tested to determine whether there's any adverse findings in this so let's see what happens with that but yeah we did our episode at the start of the week a murky week in boxing and I just hope it can pick up from here and we've got a lot to look forward to over the next few weeks and, and obviously with the upcoming fights uh, and obviously the rest of the uh, 2019, whatever that's got to throw at us because I'm sure there'll be a, a couple of more fights being made before the end of the year. We've got Joshua Ruiz 2 being touted for December. We've just not got a venue and a location yet because there's still a lot of arguments as to how that's going to happen. Andy Ruiz is saying he's definitely not coming to the UK but obviously there was a contract that was signed before the first Joshua fight so surely there's going to be something going on there in terms of how the location and venue is selected so I'll be interested to see if anything comes out in the next coming weeks with that uh, for, for us really check out some of the next upcoming episodes we've got Legendary Nights coming up next and we've got the next uh, instalment of the Life and Times of and then we've also got the final episode of our Ones to Watch Series 2. And I'm not going to tell you who it is, but I'm going to tell you it's a US base, highly recommended amateur fighter who's going to be transitioning into the professional game. So anybody that's a US based listener, definitely look out for that one because I'm sure you'll be uh, interested for that one. And that's coming over the next week. So guys, as always, thanks very much for listening. Johnston, thanks very much for breaking everything down again as always. And you know where to find us now. It's on BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter and on Facebook, BTR Boxing Podcast. And also... If you've not subscribed to the podcast, please go and check us out. Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, Spreaker, Player FM, even Spotify. And just a big shout out finally to the sponsors for the podcast, which is Bear Attack Boxing. And it's nice when we get some little messages come through on the Twitter account. We had one through from Rob Evans this week to say he really enjoyed our Legendary Night series. So Rob, thank you for messaging us. We really appreciate it. He also mentioned that he'd been on and bought a couple of items through Bear Attack Boxing. So people obviously have been listening to my local advertisement for Bear Attack Boxing using the discount code of BTR10. It's still there. It's still available. Go and use it. Get yourself 10% off. You know, if you 50 quid, it's a fiver. 100 quid, it's a tenner. Go in there and get it used because, you know, you're getting yourself some great quality boxing equipment to go and use there. Go and check them out. BearAttackBoxing.co.uk. Johnston, as always, thanks very much. And guys, we'll see you on the next episode.
Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.